Amen. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. It's so fun. It's just so great how God will work things out. You know, Sally picks the songs. I'll, I'll tell her the sermon title. And, and you know, well, I'll pick a song to go there. And, you know, and, and, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, I was going through the list of songs I had. And I was like, oh, yeah, Jesus. I just like the idea of just Jesus in the title. And I had forgotten that in that part they said, speak Jesus from the, you know, shout Jesus from the streets. Yeah, you know, well, there we go. You know, that's the only God, y'all. Amen. Um, y'all like parades? Y'all like parades? How many people don't like parades? You know, uh, I, I hear, a, I heard a joke of um, Ryan Hamilton. He, he's he's pretty funny guy and, and pretty clean as well. And he just, it says it's funny. There's only like, you know, 20 people in his town in Idaho, you know, and they, they go down the street and then they turn around and come back. So you can see the other side of it, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, I could tell some jokes about parades uh, that I know that that PJ and Alex would would uh, would, would love. Uh, but I'll just point out the obvious, you know, that we should have a national parades day, and it should be March fourth. Um, can I just? That's a good one. Thank you. Said I just leave now, or is that that was pretty good? Some of y'all, yeah, March fourth, March. Very good, uh, but but you know we I can't stop there. I, I you know I kind of you know you get on a, in a little rabbit hole or whatever it's called whenever you go looking for rabbit you know for different things and wormhole whatever you you you, you end up going places for a while you're like oh my gosh I had no idea this was even on the internet but um uh, there there are some crazy parades that you may not know about okay um, there's one in Los in Los Angeles called the Lobster Dog Parade. Lobster dog. It's a real thing. Um, see, the festival itself is the Los Angeles Lobster Festival, and itself is not unusual or bizarre. However, the lobster dog parade that has become a love tradition certainly is. Dog owners costume their beloved pets as lobsters, um, as well as other seafood items, and, and march the often annoyed and embarrassed animals down the port. I, I, yeah, I want to see... I want to see one in an octopus. Like, that would be great. Um, anyway, uh, some of y'all may know this one, especially with it being Halloween tomorrow, but Dio, Dia de los, Muer de los Muertos. Um, I can't, wow, that was hard to say. Um, you know, and, and you may be familiar with the, uh, I know you know about Halloween, but uh, this is in Mexico, um, and that's, that means Day of the Dead. Um, and traditionally on November the 1st and 2nd, families visit the graves of their deceased loved ones and celebrate the lives of the departed, making it a much happier event than the name would imply. Um, in the cavalcade of this ritual, people paint their faces as skeletons and dress as a dead, uh, often carrying coffins as other symbols of those who have passed on. Okay, interesting. And then you have this one, uh, you, you brunettes in the house, I don't know how you feel about this one, but Latvia has a Go Blonde festival. Go Blonde. Um, sometimes, um, it says here, sometimes blondes do have all the fun. Uh, the Go Blonde Festival is a yearly event that takes place in Latvia and features droves of pink-clad blonde women strolling shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder through the streets of Riga, uh, aiming to cheer people up and to promote the economic growth of the region. It has become the largest blonde festival in the world. Okay, interesting, right? And the last one is, is another weird one about Halloween but or, or similar to it, but the International Zombie Walk. Right. Um, it, it said if you, uh, it said on this one is uh, it it is been spreading throughout the world for for a while now, um, but it it actually originated in North America, 
said for reasons varying from just a twist on the typical night in the town to raising awareness and money for a charitable cause, people would show up fully transformed as their dawn of the dead selves and moan their way down the streets, city streets, to the amusement and sometimes shock of the public. Uh, I'm glad we don't do that one. That'd be weird. But anyway, um, you know, I, I, and so obviously, you know, there's different different parades. I can remember. Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't really see us off this way because we, when we, the first time we went to state, I think they did the second time, um, but we, you know, I know they did it for football and baseball when the teams made state and they had all the students kind of line up outside and, and as the bus goes on, uh, you know, leaves the, the premises of, of the high school, you know, people are cheering and, you know, and, yeah, you know, and so, um, and to, but today in, in, in Mark's account of the triumphal entry, um, we're going to see some, we will see unwavering preparation. Remember the W, Mr. Lawrence, so you have the W and the P, okay? All right. Willing participants and worshipful praise. And so let's go ahead and get um, right into it. And just a reminder, um, if you weren't here last week, we did skip a part in March chapter 10, okay? On purpose. We're going to do that next week, okay? So, uh, so today's is uh, number 36. We will do number 34 actually next week. Okay, the one because it goes with uh, with a veteran service pretty well, I thought. Um, and so Mark 11, 1 through 6, says, When they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and we'll send it back here right away. So they went out and they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it, and none of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They answered them just as Jesus said, so they let them go. So the first thing is, is unwavering preparation. Uh, anybody watch the old A-Team shows? You remember that? Oh, okay, A-Team, I'm impressed. All right, uh, and, and John Hannibal Smith was famous for saying the quote. You know it? There you go. All right, Alex. Amen. There you go. He says, "It's I love it when the plan comes together." All right, and, and I'm proud. Y'all did good, man. Good raising your son there on that. All right. Um, don't know about other stuff, but that part you did well. Just playing. Uh, we, we we don't know. Uh, you know, I just I love that because the preparation part of it. See, we don't know which um, disciples these were. Um, you know, there are two of them, uh, and they were told. But what we do know is that they were told to do something, and they did it. Um, it's also interesting to note that just like the Last Supper, things happen just the way Jesus said they would, which obviously shouldn't surprise us because he's God. But um, So the part about the colt. So Jesus, Jesus told them that they will find an unbroken colt and that they should untie it, bring it back. And if anyone were to ask about it, they should tell them that the Lord needs it. Now, uh, y'all know I, I, I like the details. But based on my study, I, I believe that because Jesus knew the area so well, all right, uh, that Galilean area that he had already arranged it beforehand with the owners to, to you know, the cult to borrow it. Um, you know, can, can uh, and can we just for a second though, um, kind of put ourselves in the story here and, and think like uh, the disciples? Because uh, I, I think when we, we do this sort of thing um, often in our lives, and what am I talking about? Well, we feel like God has told us something pretty clearly to do, but we don't do it. Anybody been there? You know, I feel like God's told me something I don't. Um, or maybe we read it straight from the Bible and we still don't do it, but, uh, or, or doubts arise. See, the deal is here is um, Mark simply tells us, so they went and found a colt. You know, 
just as Jesus said. And, and, and that, for whatever reason, that really just kind of spoke to me. Because I, I hope that, you know, you have the same thoughts here or would agree with me or want it to be said of you. But I simply have here, I would like it to be said that Patrick went and obeyed. That, that Patrick went and it, it was just as Jesus said it was going to be. That I went and I did it. And, and I, I hope that I can say that I did it without wavering in my faith in the one who knows all things anyway, right? See, it's a simple, it's a simple point. You know, God has prepared uh, everything here, but they still had to go, right? They, they had a choice in the matter. They didn't have to go, but they did. So they, they obeyed. And, and I, I just love that part. See, may, may our prayer... Um, be like David said in Psalm 19, 14. It's one of my favorite verses. May the words of my mouth and the meditation or thoughts of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, may, may that be our, our prayer that, that we, with everything in us, from the words that I say, our, we say in, in the thoughts of our heart, may it please our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. I hope that's our prayer for everybody here. And so I, as far as its connection, and so what I like to do at each point from, from here on is just kind of relate this directly to um, worship itself, okay? whether it be in a, a church setting or just riding down in your vehicle, okay, um, or wherever you might be, you know, fishing or, um, you know, looking out the beach or in the mountains, wherever you might be. Uh, you know, prepare, you know, that part. And so I think this idea of unwavering preparation could apply to our act of worship on a regular basis, right? Could it not? In, in, in that uh, we should prepare our hearts and minds ahead of time. But now we, we, we don't, though, because we're humans. We, you know, and, and life gets busy. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, you probably you probably did this. You know, when you when your kids were younger, you know, you, you you go to church and man, everything is chaos at the house, and you come in and oh, we're good. You know, <laughs> not saying that you just yelled at two of your kids and one of them crying, and you know, and it's just a bit of mess. But but um, you know, that's how life is. But um, I, I do want to point out that we can still, you know, when that happens, we, you know, when it comes uh, pertains to church, you come in, you can still, okay, God. It's been a crazy morning, you know, but I'm here to worship you. And, and one of the things, and it's, reason, it's, the, it's the main reason why we do the song or that time, you know, right, you know, between, after offering and before the sermon. Because Brother Bill Clayton, you know, bless his heart, still love him, uh, one of my mentors, he, that's what they did at that church that I was a youth pastor for when Sally and I uh, first got married. It, he, I'd never seen a church do that, and I just loved it. You know, he just had a time, and, and it would be they would play the piano, I think, is all they did. You know, but it was a time if you wanted to come down and, and pray, you could, or you could pray where you are, or you could just worship, you know, and just kind of get your hearts and minds ready. Amen? So that's, you, that's why we do that. Okay? So preparation. And then, and then the second thing, all right, we see willing participants. So, participants. so let's look in verses 7 and 8. They brought the cult to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. And so the second thing is to have willing participants. They had willing participants there at this triumphal entry. See, the disciples came back to Jesus with a colt, and they threw their clothes on it. So he could probably have a softer seat. That makes sense, right? But then notice what the many people did, the many. All right? um, they spread their clothes on the road and their, uh, and, and their branches as well. 
Um, and so they're willing to take action in order to show how they felt about Jesus. See, it, it, they didn't just stand there. I don't think they even had pockets in their clothes back then. They didn't stand on the sidelines, on the side of the road with their hands like this, right? They actually did something. Like that, you know, and, and um, the CSB Study Bible uh, makes a comment that clothes and leafy branches were traditionally draped across the road to receive a king. Right, let me, I'm going to show you where, where this comes from. 2 Kings, in an Old Testament, chapter 9, verses 12 to 13. It says, but they replied, that's a lie, tell us. So here's the part we get to. So Jehu said, he talked to me about this and that and said, this is what the Lord says, I anoint you king over Israel. Verse 13, each man quickly took his garment and put it under Jehu on the bare steps. They blew the ram's horn and proclaimed, Jehu is king. And, and then that was like a tradition that was, that was set up for the established from that point on. And so, uh, and also the palm branch. Uh, the palm branch was a Jewish national symbol, okay? And, and waving them represented the idea that people held Jesus as, as the king, hoping, of course, that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Now, uh, of course, most of the crowd understood, probably understood this in a political and military sense, right? Uh, and still hoping that Jesus would use his powers to, to lead them to independence. But um, it was still, still ideas there. Okay? We, we, we lay these down, this represents that we're recognizing that Jesus is king. Right? In addition, uh, something else I really loved in the details is uh, the clothing was expensive and valuable in that day. So what's the point? What, what's, what's so important about that? Well, this was, it was something that was valuable to them that cost them money, right? and they were laying, them, laying it down. It was, it was generous praise, you know, um, and, and this provokes the question for me is, is, are we willing to give up things, you know, in order to praise God? What, what are we willing to do for him? Because worship and praise is not, you know, just sitting in church and, and pray and, you know, singing to a song, amen? It's not just, you know, prayer in our quiet times or at, at the beach, but how we live our lives is in worship and praise to him as a living sacrifice, amen? So, um, I, I like the idea uh, of being a willing participant because obviously it's a, it applies to our act of worship on a regular basis. Like I just said, it's we're, you know to be willing to worship God. Um, you know, I, it doesn't. I kind of added this this morning, but it doesn't take much for me uh, to to be willing to cheer for the Gators, although we weren't very good yesterday. Okay, uh, I understand somebody went to a Seminole game, a couple of y'all, right? And y'all, y'all, y'all had fun, right? But we had a big, you know, a lot of people, a lot of family over at the house. And although we lost, the time when everybody was mostly together was the third quarter, which happened to be the only good quarter for the Gators. But it was fun. It was fun because you know every time we do something, they do something good. We're all cheering and you know giving a high five, like you know, and and Kaylin's in the back saying, "Y'all need to take your medicine," you know. Um, but you know, just having fun, right? But but you know, while that's fun and 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 we laugh and, and I, you know, it always gets me because I know I'm not the first preacher because I heard many preachers say the same thing. But we don't, you know, why can't we get that same excitement, all right, for the Lord? You know, I, I and, and I, I put oh me on this one. Right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. But, you know, I have to, like, really, really concentrate sometimes, you know, when it comes to, to, to God. And, 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 you know, it's, it's not that way when I'm just rooting for a team. That doesn't even matter, right? And so um, he is worthy of our praise, amen? He is worthy. See, one, one, of the, um, one of the toughest things you heard me preach from here before, and then the teachers can relate in the room, there's many teachers in the room, is, you know, one of the toughest things about teaching is teaching those apathetic students, you know, who, who don't want to be there, who don't care, 
you know. Um, and I just wonder how, you know, if God were human, how would he feel? Now, he's not, okay, but but if he were, what, you know, um, how would he feel? See, I think in, in order to do this, we need to honestly think about how awesome it is that God gave his only son to die in our place. See, all right, I just happened, you know, my Bible reading uh, through the year um, this week. I, I, I'm in Second Samuel, okay, and um, it, it, I love, I love this part, and I know a lot of y'all know this, but um, it makes me think of, of David. Whenever he 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 became king, and of course his he was great friends. His best friend was Jonathan, Saul's son, and he wanted to to show kindness to somebody from Saul's family. Okay, some of y'all know where I'm going with this. And, and, and he, he's like, is there anybody right, in Saul's family, for, for Jonathan's sake, right, that I can show kindness to? Because even Saul, uh, he, he, was, he didn't treat me very well. But, man, Jonathan and I, man, we were, we were best buds, man. And, and, and is there anybody I can, I can show kindness to? And they told, uh, the response was, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a crippled son of Jonathan named Mephibosheth. Right, say that five times fast, Mephibosheth. But anyway, and and, and um, whenever David had Mephibosheth brought to him, this is what happened. Second Samuel nine six to eight. Okay, Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell face down, and paid homage. David said, Mephibosheth, I am your servant. He replied, Don't be afraid. David said to him, Since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table. And pause there before I get to my favorite part. This guy, he has no reason to expect anything from the king. Amen? Right? No reason at all. In fact, he's, he's part of the family who was against Saul. I mean, against David. He was, Saul was throwing, jack, throwing spears at him and chasing him in, in the mountains right, for a long time. All right? And, and, and so... He, he has no reason to expect anything. And in fact, if, 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 if I were Mephibosheth, I don't know if I'd trust David. Because, wait, wait, I've heard the whole stories, man. You know, Saul killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Like, well, I don't want to go to David. He might, he might put a spear in a brother. You know, I don't know about that. All right? Um, and so, uh, and, and instead he comes and David says these things that he doesn't deserve. And I just love this part. Verse 8, Mephibosheth paid homage and said, what is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? See, that's, to me, that's the attitude that we should have. Okay? As, as Christians, it's, you know, worship and being a willing participant in, in, in worship starts with our heart of humility. We realize we're not worthy. We're not. Okay, and we're nothing but a dead dog. The dead dogs are worthless, especially in that culture. Dogs, I mean, so dogs already not not worth anything, and a dead one on top of that. So they say, "Oh, he's saying I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy." Okay? And so, uh, you know, that along with this, the idea of just being just thankful um, and realizing that all we have is from God anyway. So we have a heart of humility and a heart of thanksgiving. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. I love this. You know, David says, My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. Everything we have is from God anyway. 
right? And so why could we not just be grateful and, and thankful to, to the Lord God Almighty? See, we, we need, and I've said this before, actually several times from this pulpit, that we need to constantly preach the gospel to ourselves. Constantly. Okay? We, we accept it. We accept what Jesus did on the cross of counting for us, and then we preach it to ourselves. We remind ourselves that we're not worthy. All right? it, it, and the old saying is keep you in your place, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. That we realize and then because if we're in a proper place, then we can worship God with the way we live our lives. Because if we don't, then, then we think we're in control. And then we get stressed over every little thing that happens because we're in control. Right? Because we don't give it to God. Amen? Amen or on me. You know, I, I, and so when I think about that, and it's the things that I, that I added here, um, to, to constantly preach the gospel to ourselves, again, to realize that we are not worthy, but we know one who is. Amen? We know one who is, who is worthy. See, that we are unholy, but God is so holy. I love that Mr. Mike said that in his prayer. I, I, I just love it. And, and I'm, you know, I just love you. It. It's like that you're so holy, holy. You're so holy. Amen, Brother Mike. Right? And, and, and that we are imperfect, but he is perfect. That, that we are so not good, but he is altogether good. Everything he does. That we are not righteous, even our thoughts. And he is altogether righteous. Amen. He's worthy. May we, may we remember that and we, we have a heart of humility and, and thankfulness that helps easily lead us to willing participants and then to the last one, worshipful praise. Mark 11, 9 through 10. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And, and so number three is worshipful praise. And, and I wanted to clarify this. I told Sally this a couple weeks ago. Um, again, in the details and in the learning uh, of this and preparation for this, uh, I, I've come to um, agree with what one what what some said is that a lot of times us preachers will say we'll say okay those same people who who were, were singing praises of Hosanna blesses the one who comes in the name of the Lord a week later we're shouting to crucify them and we've heard that right I don't know that that's completely accurate and 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 again you. It's okay if you want to do your own thing here. I don't think it, it, cha it doesn't change anything here today. Uh, but because the idea is these people were coming with Jesus, so they were Galilean Jews. So the, it's very likely that they weren't the same people. Okay, that these people were in or did support Jesus. They did believe this. All right, and then a week later you have these other set of Jews who, nah, I'm not real sure about that guy. Right? And so, anyway, check it out, just, you know, for fun. Check it out and see, you know, come back and talk to me sometime and see if you agree with me. But I, just want to, I had to take that, side, that dirt road for just a second, okay? Uh, we'll, we'll get back, I promise. Um, so, but let's look at this idea of, uh, of a cult and what's important about it. And so I think we'll find three things uh, special about this cult. Number one, it was fulfillment of prophecy. Number two, it indicated the authority of Jesus. And number three, Jesus comes in peace. And so, uh, Zechariah 9, verses 9, the fulfillment of prophecy. This is the, pro this is the prophecy that, that the, the Jews would have been familiar with. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Pretty, pretty simple. It's, it's so great. It's, 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 like, it's right there. You know, for people who don't believe, it's like, God, it's right there in the Scripture. Just something simple as, as him riding on a donkey. Right? See, the fulfillment of prophecy. And then, and then the authority, the authority of Jesus. 
um, a colt was unused. Now, how many of y'all know much about horses? Anybody here ride horses? Okay, yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, so you would know a whole lot more than I do. I've rode one one time when I was like 20 years old, and I don't want to ever ride one again. All right. But um, you know, but from what I understand, a colt was unused and wouldn't want to naturally be willing to receive a rider. Does that sound right? Okay. So uh, as Tony Evans said, and I can't say it any better, so let me quote him. Its submission would therefore demonstrate Jesus' authority over creation. The fact that the simple creature like that little pony, uh, you know, that little colt would be like, yeah. You know, it, it is, is an illustration, a demonstration of Jesus' authority over creation. Simple but profound. And then peaceful entrance. entrance. A colt would symbolize one coming in peace. One coming in peace. As David Gusick said, Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem as a conquering general but as a suffering, though triumphant, servant. See, Jesus has come into the holy city to take his rightful place, but not in the way that people expect. Boy, that'll preach too, won't it? God will come at you in ways you don't expect sometimes. Amen. And then, Hosanna. The, the word Hosanna means save or please save. Save. Right? So in calling out right there, Hosanna, save us. Right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, there's a song that, that you said, Hosanna, save us, just like that. This is he who comes in the name of the Lord. However, here in this context, the word points to the celebration of Jesus as a political um, Messiah. And notice that Jesus didn't try to silence him this time. For far as we know, uh, from my study, for the first time in the book of Mark, Jesus doesn't try to tell him to be quiet. He lets him do it because his time's come, Amen. His time has come. Uh, and, and we see this word also in Psalms as well. Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. <clears throat> he who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. <clears throat> and uh, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote from David Gusick here, but I want you all to stay with me because there's a lot in what he says here. But um, So during the same time, you know, Rome, all big, powerful Rome, and you know, and and they were Israelites were hoping for, you know, for rescue uh, from them and, and to deliverance from the Romans. But in comparison, I said, man, I love this. He said, um, he, he goes on to say, we call this event the triumphal entry, okay? um, but it was a strange kind of triumph because in comparison, right, to Roman culture. It would almost, like I'm going to paraphrase some of it all right, here, but it would be laughed at by the Romans. All right? Um, Y'all ever watch Gladiator? Anybody seen Gladiator, the movie? All right. So, I mean, so, so like, okay, so I keep that in mind. And so, it, it, you know, he says, if you spoke of Jesus' triumphal entry to a Roman, they would have laughed at you. See, for them, a triumphal entry, all right, and this is, this is fact here, was, a, was an honor granted to a Roman general who won a complete and decisive victory and had killed at least 5,000 enemy soldiers. Okay? That's who got the triumphal entry in Rome. All right? Uh, and, and it goes on to say, when the general returned to Rome, they had an elaborate parade. Well, there you go. All right? Talked about parades earlier. I don't know if there were any dogs dressed in costumes of lobsters, but they were, but they were, there was a big parade, right? And first came the treasures captured from the enemy, and then the prisoners. And then his armies marched by unit, by unit. And finally, the general rode in a golden chariot pulled by magnificent horses. A lot different than Jesus. A couple palm fronds and some clothing, right? See, 
Also, priests would burn incense in his honor and, and the crowd shouted his name and praised him. The procession ended at the arena. And this is the back of a weird part of it, where some of the prisoners were thrown to wild animals for the entertainment of the crowd. Glad we don't do that now. That would be weird. Very odd. All right? More than weird. That was, that was a triumphal entry. Not a Galilean peasant sitting on a few coats set out on a pony, says David Goosey. But I love the, the illustration there. But it, it, if you know, you know. Amen. See, is it, sometimes you know uh, stuff that other people don't. It's like, mm -hmm. See, I know something you don't know. Because, see, we know that in reality, in, in, the, in the world that matters, right, that that simple triumphal entry is so much better than some Roman triumphal entry anyway. Right? Because now we're talking about something more than just the present. See, um, this idea of worshipful praise should be a part of our lives every day. And not just, again, not just in singing songs and praying, but in how we live our lives. Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy, and sing. And then everything we have, again, is from God. And Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is a good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. See, what we know that, you know, that, that is, is kind of interesting compared to some big Roman festival is that what Jesus, the fact that Jesus came the way he did, he's bringing salvation to the world. So much better than a than some, you know, people hollering and yelling and burning incense and all that. It's so much better. Right? And so in Mark's account of the triumphal entry, we see unwavering preparation, willing participants, and worshipful praise. And so in conclusion, have you guys ever received more than you expected from something? All right, so y'all, I found some, some kind of some funny, you know, uh, pictures that I'm going to ask Sally to show, but just a couple examples, and this from very small, but makes a point nonetheless. So glad the tap man knew what I was getting at. You know, I wanted this, and that's what he gave me. It's a good thing it didn't look at like this. You know, or then I have five of them. Go ahead. There actually was a potato shaped like the one on the back. Right? Kind of weird. Looks like a heart. <laughs> oh wow! And then. That's what they wanted um, for the, uh, their three-year-old draw a birth, uh, birthday cake, and, and that's what they got. A whole lot better than what they asked for, right? All right or they asked, the, you know, and they said it was from, well, that one, they, it was from a kind of a questionable website, you know, not real sure if we can trust that website. Uh, but they sent it in anyway because they wanted a, um, you know, a, a blanket there of, of their dogs. <laughs> Almost perfect. Oh my gosh! All right, or this one, of course. I'm like, come on! All right, so I went, I went to McDonald's and I got that. All right, instead of this. Either way, it's good. But ice cream, come on, more ice cream is better. Amen. Amen. Where's Where's Jimmy? All right, but you know, again, the the triumphal entry took place at the beginning of Passover week and, and celebrated the the Israelites being set free from Egyptian slavery. You know, the Passover, and it's very likely that. Most of the people in Jerusalem had to, at that time, anticipated the liberation of the Israelites from Roman oppression. However, what Jesus, like I mentioned, 
few moments ago, what Jesus ultimately brought about was much more than victory over some country, but victory over Satan, sin, and death. Amen? Much more. Much more than something temporary. For those here who don't know Christ as Savior, I, I please, as I ask them, Alex and Sally, come up, that I just plead with you to make that decision today, to accept what Jesus did on the cross is counting for you. And I want to encourage you with Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. As he says in verses 57 and 58, he's talking about the victory um, over sin and death. And he, he says, but thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the victory over sin and death. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, this is my encouragement to you and to, to me today. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always excel in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. All right? So be encouraged. All right? Love you all as we have. I'm sad we lead us in the song.